When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, and Jamie Eisner. We are getting into all of Week 7's games that happen over the weekend i would like to skip a few uh that were absolutely horrendous to watch but uh we will get through all of the games we're going to start with a big trade that happened in the nfl this morning muhammad sanu hit the upgrade button because he woke up to being traded to the new england patriots the atlanta falcons uh have traded him to the new england patriots New England needed a wide receiver. We talked about this, um, obviously, with Antonio Brown not being a part of that organization anymore. Gronkowski legitimately not coming back, right? There was talk of that for a long time. Uh, They needed somebody. And the Atlanta Falcons are in a position where they are not competing this year. Uh, I didn't – his name wasn't floated around that much, but I'm not surprised to see this happen. But a two is very interesting because New England usually doesn't trade a lot of assets right and and I was uh they must really like Mohamed Sanu to get that value so Jake what are your thoughts let's start with the fantasy perspective for Mohamed Sanu uh moving up to play in New England with Tom Brady I think it's huge he's going to play all over the field he plays in the slot where Edelman plays but they can move Edelman around he could play the Z he could play the Y he could actually be their third string quarterback and not have to dress a third in a few weeks when he learns the offense. If you, you think back of him being a, a college and high school quarterback and having thrown a bunch of touchdown passes, that actually allows them another roster spot, which probably nobody's talked about. A two seems like a lot, but it's really going to be a late two, which is basically a three. They're, they're going all in. I mean, they've been rumored to have a bunch of trade stuff out there, um, whether it be for tight ends, receivers, whatever it is. They knew they had to upgrade. Nikhil Harry could come back off of IR, but they also need Devlin. And when Nikhil Harry went on IR, I said, and Devlin was going on at the same time, only one of them's coming back. I mean, I think this, this goes ahead and locks probably Devlin into coming back. They can have their power run game when they need to. But I think Sanu is a huge upgrade to his fantasy value, and I think it's a big upgrade to the Patriots as a whole. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I think as, you, as you're starting to look at what this does for the Patriots team, and, and we've talked in the offseason about all the things Mohamed Sanu can do for them. You know, they have to look at, they need some help on the outside. Josh Gordon's been banged up. As Jake said, Nikhil Harry may or may not be activated off IR. Um, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios there. Um, Julian Edelman has been injured. Yeah. A lot and been banged up, and I'm I'm sorry. I know he was a preseason Hall of Famer, but you're not <laughs> you don't want to go into the playoffs and Super Bowl with Jacoby Myers as your starting slot receiver. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of needed to have this piece there. And look, it, it, it's funny to me because he might be the most like Belichickian wide receiver that wasn't on the Patriots before. A, a consummate pro, a guy that can that can a smart player can play multiple positions. Will do anything you need him to do. This, to me, seems like a deal that – I think the reason why his name wasn't leaked because I bet the Patriots just went directly to the Falcons. Like, this is the guy we want. They overpaid a little bit, but you know what? It won't matter because their Super Bowl window is year to year. As long as they have Brady and Belichick, they are going to be in among, if not the Super Bowl favorites every year that combination is there. You're going to have a ton – they're going to have a handful of comp picks, including some third-round comp picks coming to them. So this is not the end of the world for them to lose this late second-round pick. I think it's a smart move, get out in front, and I think it's going to be a great fit. And it now brings Mohamed Sanu back to fantasy relevance after a couple really, really poor weeks. Yeah, as somebody who has him uh, in two of the three leagues that I'm playing him, I'm very happy about this trade, right? Because Sanu is a guy we all liked. Listen, I didn't overpay for him. We, I got him real late. Um, but with looking at that Atlanta Falcons offense, you thought that this offense was going to look a lot better than it has, and it has just been horrible uh he woke up he saw the tweets you see Tom Brady getting pumped up you see Mohamed Sanu getting pumped up this is good for him go compete go play for a team that's going to compete for a championship and you know it the draft pick stuff I saw a couple of people going back and forth when Tom Brady retires the Super Bowl window is over guys like they have to take advantage of this right now right so the, you're not gonna have Brady I know we joke about it but you're not gonna have Brady and Belichick forever so you have to, why not go all in this year when you look around the NFL and go, who's beating that team? I mean, it's, there's teams that look great and then there's, they get beat by good teams. They get beat by bad teams. I mean, it's, the NFL looks like the best version of you look around and there's complete parity with the exception of them, with the exception of the New England Patriots who just absolutely destroyed the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. Who have played nobody at this point and have a very interesting five weeks coming up, including this first one against the Browns coming off of a bye, getting healthy. They're going to lose a few of these next five. So this whole 16-0 thing, I, I, the Jets were so bad. But then their defense is phenomenal. That, that's the only thing that's really hanging them in there with all of these receiver injuries and the offensive line injuries and everything else they got going on. Brady didn't look that good last night. They didn't run it great. But their defense had four picks. I mean, they have 21 turnovers and 91 opponents' drives so far this season. That's insane. And and they've only given up one passing touchdown. I saw that last night. I was like, hang on a second. That's how many interceptions they have to passing touchdowns? If they play like that, Brady doesn't have to do anything. He just no. doesn't do anything. I mean, look at what happened in last year's Super Bowl. That's the, that's the scary part. And now he has a legitimate weapon, Jamie. It's, 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 you look at it and I go, I know we say this every year, but who's beating that team? Well, look, and you look at this too. Sanu has another year left on his deal. So yes. this, this is, this is a two year window that 100%. they're looking for. I, I know Schefter teased that this might be Brady's last year. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. LOL. I, you know, I, I've been hearing this could be Brady's last year for five years now. Like I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, you know, oh, if he wins the Super Bowl last year, he's going to walk off. And, well, he didn't, did he? No. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Look, right now, there, there's no team in the NFL that you say is a 
today is a better favorite to win the Super Bowl than the New England Patriots. But I do think they still have some flaws. I do think this surprisingly this offense has been very poor. I know you might not think about watching that game last night. Their offense has a lot of issues. I think that's a big reason why Sanu is going to be in this game and, and Sanu is going to be a big part for this team. But if that defense continues to play at that level, which again, we will see when they start playing better teams, if that defense continues to play at that high of a level, they can beat anybody. Yeah. Look, Lady on Bell had 75 yards rushing last night and had like 20 or 30 called back from holding calls. You can run it on this team. The problem is everybody gets down and has to try to throw it. The, the teams in the NFC that can beat them, they don't match up well with the Vikings. They don't match up well with the Saints when they're healthy. There's teams that can definitely beat them, but they're not going to face them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, what's left in the AFC, I don't, I don't think they match up very well with the Colts, to be honest with you. But – well, I mean, they're going to they're going to get there. I mean, they're they're going to be hosting the AFC Championship for sure. That's the problem, right? Is that they're probably not going to have to face anybody up until they play in the Super Bowl, even because they're going to probably play all of these games at home in the playoffs, and that's going to be a very tough challenge for anybody, whether they match up well or not, to go into Foxborough and beat this team. Uh, so it's, I don't want to say it's over now, right? It's, but we got a long way to go. Lots of things can happen, but adding Muhammad Sanu definitely helps this team and their championship aspirations. All right, let's get into these games from over the weekend. Uh, we talked a lot about, uh, the Jalen Ramsey trade and how it would immediately impact this team. Uh, he made a pretty good impact on it on his first, on in, in his first game there, uh, with the LA Rams and the Atlanta Falcons are just horrible. It's a bad football team. And the LA Rams get a 37 to 10 victory on the road in Atlanta. Jake, what did you see in this one? An absolute beatdown. I mean, exactly what Wade Phillips wants to do is be able to play man. And if he has to play zone on the other side, that's fine. But Jalen Ramsey completely shut down one side of the field and they moved Julio around. He still had a decent day fantasy wise, but they just destroyed him. They stopped the run. They got after Ryan. Their offense looked better. They ran it pretty good. They, they they didn't throw it great, but they threw it enough. They took advantage of turnovers. I mean, it was just domination by the Rams. I thought they'd win it, but I thought their defense was going to take a little while to get going, and the, the Falcons could put up something. They didn't do anything. It was, it was awful. I, I was encouraged by the Rams' defense, but that offense has a lot of issues. And, again, this is something that you look at the final score and you don't think about. This is another game where Jared Goff had a good game when he should have had a great game. And we've been saying this all year that you're going to – whatever your expectations are for Jared Goff on a week-to-week basis, you're going to get about 80% of that. Whether it's good, bad, excellent struggles, you're going to get 80% of whatever you think you're going to get from Jared Goff because that's about what he's taking advantage of right now. Uh, they might have the worst interior offensive line in football. I don't know if you saw a play near the goal line where they're trying to give Todd Gurley yeah. his second uh, his second touchdown or, or first touchdown of that game there. Uh, and they get blown off the ball by the Falcons. Who have no pass rush. They got the interior Zero. got blown off the ball. It was like a four yard loss on, on a like second and goal from the yeah. one. Um, that offensive line is, as Jake talked about a lot last week, is a major concern for this team, and I think probably the biggest reason why they're struggling. I know people want to ascribe that you know Gurley's not running it as well or all this other stuff. Well, I think that's those go hand in hand there. Goff has regressed from last year, and and there's no doubt about that. But he put up a decent enough game. Fantasy wise, again, Robert Woods is going to get his. Um, I think we're probably off the Dale Henderson train for a little bit. He got yes. an extended look in this game and was bad. And I think, again, part of that is the offensive line is terrible. But the Falcon side of things, it was a bad game before. Matt Ryan limped off of that ankle injury. Uh, we'll see if he ends up playing this week. Austin Hooper gets the here-you-go touchdown. There, there, there's 
Devonta, Devonta Freeman gets ejected for like is that the worst picture of a fight you've ever seen Devonta Freeman and Aaron Donald yeah well Aaron Donald like, had him lifted up off the ground like as a hey, come on, child I, I just um, at a certain point you think to yourself there's certain battles you don't want to fight and Devonte, brother <laughs> you can't fight Aaron Donald like I don't there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are small and mighty I don't care how mighty you are it's Aaron freaking Donald like don't pick that battle pick another battle fight anybody else just don't fight him yes yeah. uh so uh, look if you again if you're a Matt Lyon owner or if you're really a Falcons owner of any player it's not looking great right now this is a completely lost season for them the, yeah. the, this downward spiral since they lost that lead in the Super Bowl has been precipitous yeah and it's uh Dan Quinn's gonna be the first guy I don't know how much longer he's gonna last that's a pretty horrible loss um at home uh, obviously, moving on from Sanu, you know they're thinking about the future and what they're going to do. Well, Vic, Be- Vic Beasley on the trade block. Apparently, they've got some other pieces that are out there they'd be willing to listen for. It sounds like they're ready to fire Quinn, move on, and go into a rebuild themselves. That's uh, probably the best decision moving forward for the Atlanta Falcons. All right, the Buffalo Bills get a victory at home, 31-21. But Miami made things interesting for uh, for a while. I looked up and I said, oh, boy. Uh, what's what's going on in Buffalo? They covered that spread. Uh, the they don't the, actually. No, that was seventeen. Oh, it's a ten point game. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking no. about Miami. Oh, Miami yeah, covered. Miami yeah, yeah. Co- I was like, I was Buffalo like, yeah. definitely didn't. No, Buffalo didn't. Miami covers that seventeen point spread. The Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, Nation covers the spread. And uh, but at the end of the day, they get a victory, thirty-one twenty-one. Uh, Jake, what are your what do you take away from this one? Pretty much, I picked twenty-seven sixteen. I thought the the Finns would cover. I didn't think they'd look that good. I think the Bills are frauds. They've played the right teams at the right time, and, and their record, you know, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you are. But they're frauds. They're not doing anything. They're not solid. Their offense is mediocre at best against the worst team in football by far, we would all agree with. And they struggled to get it done. Josh Allen finally had a decent second half and got some stuff going, but for a while there, his numbers were awful. To beat Miami by 10 and give up 21 to them at home, that, that's just that's just ugly. Yeah, I mean, I was that was incredibly disappointing. As you remember on the podcast Friday, I said I wanted them to show me something. If, yeah. they, if they want to be the second best team in the AFC like their record says they were, they need to make a statement at home against the worst team in football. And that statement was, like just like Jake said, we're not as good as our record says we are. Uh, and so, look, they're still going to be, I think, a playoff team. The AFC is is a mess at the moment. They're they're up five one. They're up five and one right now, but. I, they're not going to go very far. Again, this is going to be a team that's going to have to play on the road regardless. They could win 12 games. They're still going to have to play on the road to start the postseason. So uh, I thought they would run the ball more effectively. They they really didn't. I mean, Frank Gore looked okay in, in his carries, but he should have gotten more. On the Dolphins' side, there's a couple things that are interesting to me. Obviously, if you've been paying attention, Mark Walton's going to be their future at running back, at least for the rest of the season. They're probably going to trade Kenyon Drake. Kalen Balaj is a terrible football player. Yeah, he's, he's, not he's being phased out of the offense very quickly. You know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in, there are a couple now wide receivers in Miami that are worth paying attention to. We've talked about Preston Williams here and there for a few weeks. He is, let's call him last year's Willie Sneed, where he's a guy, if you need seven points every week, he can get you seven points every week. Don't expect anything more. The more interesting name now with the touchdown in three straight games is Devontae Parker. And as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick stays the starting quarterback on this team, I think Parker is going to be somebody that's worth having on your bench and could be an interesting little bye week fill-in. Yeah, I, I have him in one of my leagues, um, and I, I like when he plays with Fitzpatrick, and you like him obviously getting into the end zone against a tough a tough defense in Buffalo on the road. So there are pieces there to like from a fantasy perspective. 
I, I thought for a little while we might get that uh, Trevor Sycamore, Ryan Fitzpatrick game. For a while, it kind of looked like Miami might actually pull up the upset, but the tank continues in Miami. Uh, another team that is tanking, the Cincinnati Bengals, 27-17, to the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, get a victory on the road against Cincinnati. Um, listen, Joe Burrow, Tua, it's a very interesting conversation when we're talking about these these uh, future organizations. The thing is, I've, I've heard the discussion, and I want Jake to, to weigh in here because obviously an organization can tank, but the players are not, right? You still see guys out there. They have to play. Um, there's not much to – I mean – Neither one of these teams is very good. What did you? What What are your other takeaways there, Jake? I thought it was a solid win for Jacksonville. I mean, they're not great, but to go on the road in the NFL, get it done. They gave up too much, but Cincinnati's done this to everybody. They they keep fighting to the end with no pieces. I mean, Joe Mixon with a two yard touchdown, or it's the worst fantasy day ever. And they still they still hung in there. I mean, Jacksonville's defense is pretty solid. Fournette had a good day. Minshew's doing enough. I mean, yeah, I think they're playing with their backup quarterback, who's a rookie. But when you start talking about these teams tanking for Tua or Joe or the kid at Utah State or Herbert or whoever, if you think that any of them are going to come in and play better than Andy Dalton next year as a rookie, think again. Andy Dalton's going to be playing somewhere else next year, and somebody's going to be happy to have him because when he has his weapons in a decent offensive line, he's been really good. And he hasn't been bad this year. He's slinging it all over the place. So it's an interesting dichotomy they have there. Their defense is terrible. Uh, but I thought it was a solid win for Jacksonville. I mean, when you, when you keep in mind that they're playing a rookie backup quarterback, any win on the road is solid. They're hanging in there in that division. Yeah. Hey, Ryan Pace, you want to give a phone call to the Cincinnati Bengals? You, you're, I, you're in such a bad spot with there. Like, I know. You can't do anything. You, you want to go relive that draft where you traded up and took him over to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes? If you want this podcast to turn into a full rant, we'll, so I, we'll get I, yeah, into that. So I'm here in person. I don't want Pace to like yeah. punch me in the face. She's, <laughs> That's the only reason I said it when I'm not there in yeah, person. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in the nice comfort and safety away from her. Yeah. Um, uh, any takeaways, James? So a couple things here. One, obviously this is a completely season to forget for Joe Mixon. We're yeah. now seven games in the season. He has 254 rushing yards. Yikes. Uh, it, it's bad there. I understand. I'm starting to kind of understand. Like they're not going to trade AJ Green. They're not rushing him back. And I part of me gets it. You're going to spend. You're going to spend a top two pick on a rookie quarterback. You at least want to say, okay, I'm walking to a, or Joe Burrow or whomever into an offense that has Joe Mixon at running back. A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd at wide receiver. Yeah, but A.J. is a free agent. You're assuming you can re-sign him. I'm assuming. They're talking like they are. Like A.J. Green's talking like he is. Yeah. I think the biggest thing yeah. to me is he's indicating he doesn't want to leave for whatever reason. If they don't trade him, he has the power to probably get more there than anywhere else, I would think. And, the, and I think they would pay him. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's the thing, too. I think they might be more willing to pay him even to stay. Especially if Andy Dalton's gone and you got a rookie quarterback contract. Now now you have the money to keep A.J. Green there. So that makes sense. You better get a lot of offensive linemen. That's all I have to yes. say. Yes. Uh, on the Jacksonville side of things, obviously Fournette's continued to look really strong. Uh, D.D. Westbrook having a big game. He's kind of coming back. Him, You know, Chark didn't have the biggest game here, but I'm not worried about him. I, I think we're finally starting to see the, the Minshew mania wane a little bit. I know it was all exciting and fun, but – there, there was a cap to his upside based on the way he was at least playing in his rookie year. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what that QB situation looks like. Foles should be practicing soon. Uh, but Yeah, the Minshew has been solid. He had like 60 yards rushing. I mean, he threw a couple picks. He's, he's kind of that gunslinger, but, I mean, the kid has been solid. No, he has been. I'm just, I'm just not convinced like everybody else is that, that that's his job the rest of the year. No. No, I mean, Foles is making $20 million. Yeah, it's Foles' job when he, come, when he comes back and is healthy. Yeah, 100%. Uh, okay, listen, uh, my shtick and Jamie's shtick with Kirk Cousins might have to officially come to an end. 
Uh, or well, the Detroit nope, Lions. They were two, they two were, and one. Oh, see, now the shtick doesn't end. It continues on. He beat a 500 team. Uh, just it, it, we, we will continue the shtick forever, as, as at least as long as we can. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings get a victory, 42 to 30. Uh, listen, Kurt Cousins was called out by his teammates a couple of weeks ago, and things. The last two weeks have looked a lot different uh, for this football team. Jake, you're you're the uh, you said last week. I think you were back on the train with the Minnesota. I wasn't being drugged behind. I was back on. I think I might be chilling with the captain up front again. Uh, here we are. Here we go. All right, talk about talk about. Look, they they were my Super Bowl pick before the season. Uh, the one thing I took away from this game is. Uh, Detroit's offense is freaking good. Nobody's done anything against this Vikings defense. They put up 30 and could have put up more than that. Stafford was good. Marvin Jones, they both had a huge day. But, I, I, look, Cousins has four touchdown passes, what, two weeks in a row? Dalvin Cook, another big day. Like, they're solid. They just have so many weapons, and as long as they stay healthy, they're going to be right there. The Bears are frauds. I'm sorry to say it. Their offensive lines had too many injuries. They cannot run it at all. Their play calling sucks, and the quarterback's worse than all I just described. So their defense – as good as they are, they're out there three or four more possessions a game than they were a year ago. That's where the regression's coming from in the numbers. They haven't been that much worse, but they're out there a lot more. Minnesota, Detroit's now looking up at 5-2 and two and 6-1. and one. They're legit. This was a solid win. To keep scoring when a team that you're not expecting to keep scoring on your vaunted defense, for that offense to just keep going down and scoring touchdowns, I, I took a lot away from this. I mean, 42-30 and NFC North, or I mean, that's – that, that was impressive. I took a lot away from this for Minnesota. But I liked – I mean, Detroit's still hanging in there. They're better than we thought. They're better yes. – yeah, they're better than we thought. They're not going to compete in this division because the division's too good overall. Jamie, your thoughts here? We know on Johnson obviously ha- has an injury. What's the long-term outlook there? Yeah, it looks, it looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. So, I mean, Ty Johnson's going to be their lead back for now. I'm curious to see if they sign T.J. Anderson back to this roster. But it's going to be a little bit of a timeshare with Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick. They like both. They're going to use both. Uh, they use both in the passing game. Uh, I imagine both of those guys are going to get some work going forward. Uh, I mean, Marvin Jones was an awesome 4TD game. I don't think you're, he's going to ever do that again. That was the best game we've ever seen of Marvin Jones' career. But, uh, you know, he's somebody that deserves that. Nothing for Kenny Galladay in this game, which was very surprising considering, you know, you think Matthew Stafford throws for almost 400 yards and four touchdowns and you get one catch uh, from Kenny Galladay. But Minnesota side of things, it looks like uh, – we don't know. Thielen's hurt. Yesterday was like he's not going to play on Thursday Night Football. Today they're like, well, maybe. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, that's such a quick turn. I don't think there's any way he's turning that around. Yeah, and I don't – why would you yeah. uh, at this point? Um, you don't need him to beat the Redskins at home. Yeah, like, let's be realistic I, I was going to say, but with that The Kirk up, Cousins revenge game. You don't need Adam Thielen. <laughs> Kirk Cousins revenge game, and he beats another below 500 team. So, so there you go. We learn absolutely nothing about him. Dalvin Cook's amazing. You know that already. Stephon Diggs, I love him this week. Yeah. I mean, who else is he going to throw the ball to? B.C. Johnson? Rudolph with a big resurgence. Irv Smith with a couple catches early, and then Rudolph has a huge game. Yeah, 10 catches for their tight ends. Irv Smith had five. Kyle Rudolph had five in the touchdown. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. But, again, they're at home Thursday Night Football against the second or third worst team in football, depending on where you put them. Uh, they should be able to get this done without having to push Adam Thielen. Yeah, I uh, I have Adam Thielen. I am not going to play him even if he does suit up because I would assume that it would be like a limited snap thing. I, I don't think he's going to play. I, I don't think that makes absolutely any sense for for this football team considering who they're playing. All right, uh, it was uh, this is this is just a continual conversation about how this was like a horrible weekend for me in football because Aaron Rodgers had like the most perfect Aaron Rodgers game he's ever had. 
It was an absolute from a from a I wish he played for another team perspective. It was masterful to watch. He he doesn't even have his any of really Devonte Adams. Some of his he's throwing to guys undrafted free agents that are out there playing football for him, and he had an unbelievable game. Uh, Jake, right now the conversation around teams is. Listen, Green Bay has has looked great in some weeks. They've looked bad in some weeks. But as of recently, this game, specifically Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and that offense kind of looks like it's starting to get going and things are clicking. Is this bad news for the rest of the NFC that they really look like they have everything kind of starting to be put together? Yeah, I think it really could be. I mean, they definitely look like they're taking the next step in the progression of this offense. Aaron Rodgers looks more comfortable to go past the numbers – you know, my quote last week was some white receiver from Division Three college in Wisconsin with long hair is going to have a huge day, which kind of started to be the, the thing. When he scored that touchdown, I went, oh, well, that's pretty funny. Uh, but the thing that I really took away from it was Geronimo Allison and Valdez Scantling both played. Yeah. All three were supposed to be out. That tells me they think they're really good. And in that locker room, they felt like they had to play to get out there to get a win that says volumes to me. I think this defense is still a bit of a fraud. You can run it on them, uh, but they've been solid. And if Aaron Rodgers' offensive line stays healthy, when these receivers all get back, and Jimmy Graham with a huge day looked really good. I mean, look, the, the Raiders played good. This game was close. They were going back and forth. The Raiders' secondary is really banged up. But it, Aaron Rodgers just had one of those days where he got hot and just looked spectacular. I watched a lot of this game. But my, my biggest takeaway was when you have guys that are supposed to miss games and they go out and play and they play well, that says a lot about what, how good you think you are and how, how that locker room is really putting – not putting pressure on each other to play, but putting pressure on get out there and play, let's get another win. I, that, that says a lot to me. Yeah, there was a simultaneous fist pump between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers where they're both looking – they're not looking at each other. They literally both turn and do a fist pump at the same time, and I thought to myself, this is my worst nightmare. This is – my worst nightmare is happening right in front of my very eyes. Uh, Jamie, what did you see in, in this one? Obviously, the Packers' offense is legit. Their defense yeah. is regressing back to average, average, and I think that's what they are. I mean, Josh Jacobs has a big game against them. Uh, good to see for Josh Jacobs' point of view. Again, you'd like to see Aaron Rodgers having, having this huge game for them. You know, they didn't – it was a weird game. Like, you look at the final score and say, why didn't they run the ball more? But they were kind of in a shootout for two and a half, three quarters of this game. Uh, so they couldn't really do that. Uh, but both both the running backs mixed in in the passing game there. They both of them caught a t- uh, receiving touchdown, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. You know, Valdez Scantling had that huge play down the field. Uh, from an Oakland standpoint, Tyron Williams didn't play. I don't know when he's going to play. Uh, that Liz Frank injury, this is going to be a problem all year. I mean, Jake is gone. If you listen to our show about Liz Frank injuries and how severe they are, um, uh, you know, it's nice to see Darren Wall get in the end zone twice, and that was the biggest thing. He was getting the targets, getting the receptions, wasn't getting in the end zone. But really, there are no other, aside from Jacobs and Waller, there's really nobody else you're paying attention to. Uh, I was surprised to see Zay Jones inactive for this game. Yeah. I figured this would be an opportunity for him to at least get on the field for some packages after you traded for him. Uh, but it's very strange. And then John Gooden traded a 24-year-old player and said they want to get younger. So, cool. <laughs> You know, it, it, it wasn't as surprising to me, though. If you watch the game, they wanted to run it, keep it out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, play action off of that. They had three tight ends, two tight ends in the game most of the time. So it didn't surprise me that a brand-new receiver wasn't in because I don't think he fit the game plan. And they did that. The problem was when Aaron Rodgers was out there, they went boom, 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 touchdown. Yeah. Next thing you know, Carr freaking dies for the end zone, touchback, fumble, 
and it's over. They're down 18 when they, they could have been within one. Like, it was a really good game there for a while. And then Carr throws the horrible, horrific freaking interception in the end zone. And, and Aaron Rodgers goes and scores again. It's over. But it was a solid game. I just didn't think Zay Jones fit the game plan they had going in. I mean, you could see that they were like, we're going to run it, control the clock, shorten the game, keep it out of Rodgers' hands. And they did that for a while. John Gruden, I just want to know how much younger you can get than 24 to play in the NFL. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious as to how much younger you think that you're going to get. I, I mean, look, I, I don't I, think Gary on Connolly's a thing. I, I, it's just more of, like, I love that quote of training hilarious. a 24-year-old and being like, we're looking for younger players. Like, uh, okay. Okay, got it. Understood. A 24 apparently is old now. Got it. Got it, John. Uh, Houston Texans going on the road to play the Indianapolis Colts was really interested to watch this one and see what happened. And Indianapolis took care of business at home. They get a victory 30 to 23. All of a sudden, these two teams in this division, you have Indianapolis at four and two and Houston at four and three. Like this is a very interesting fight between these two teams. Jake, what did you see from Indy? Because I hate to say we told everybody, but a lot of people were thinking that Jacoby Brissett wasn't going to be good enough to get this team in a position where they would compete, and they're competing, and they beat a good football team. I had a 28-24, 30-23. Indianapolis owns them at home. The Texans do not beat the Colts in Indy. It just doesn't happen. And the Colts dominated this game. It really wasn't as close as the final score was. They scored late. They kind of, Deshaun Watson got some stuff going, but Indy dominated this game. Jacoby Brissett was spectacular. I said when Andrew Luck, and nobody loves Andrew more than I do, retired, they were going to be fine. Jacoby's not him, but if he's 75 or 80% of Andrew Luck, this team is really, really good. They can rush the passer with four. The front seven has been great for three years at stopping the run. Darius Leonard's an absolute freak. They get any of these guys in the secondary back. They're really solid. T.Y. Hilton with a solid day. Marlon Mack with a solid day. Um, Ebron with a big day with the, with the touchdown. They just, they're good. But it's just not a good matchup for the Texans at home. They're, uh, in Indianapolis, they never win there. Yeah, and, and I think we could put a little pump the brakes a little bit on the Deshaun Watson MVP run. I know everybody was kind of on that last week. Again, not that he's not an awesome player. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I need to see him win some of these big games on the road before I start saying he's the best, best player in football. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, Here's a great point, Jamie. He had a couple good matchups yeah. where the defenses weren't rushing the passer as well. Yeah, and they weren't. And look, and he didn't get sacked the previous two weeks. We knew that was going to change this week. Again, I'm, I'm not I'm not disparaging Deshaun Watson. I'm just saying when we start talking about MVPs, when we start talking about the elite of the elites, I, I, and I, as I keep saying this, you need if you're going to be this awesome Super Bowl team and these awesome players, you need to be able to go on the road in inside the division against other good teams and, and find a way to win yeah. and find a way to look better than what they did in this game. Uh, from the Colts side of things, Brissett looked awesome. Again, four passing touchdowns in this game. Uh, you you just got to love what that organization has done in the last two or three years in totality. I mean, it's... It, Considering how poorly this organization was run at times before where they were bailed out by just great quarterback play, uh, you got to love what they've done the last few years under that new, I guess not new regime, but new-ish regime. Uh, I want to see a little bit more from Marlon Mack. I was hoping for a bigger game, only 44 yards on the ground on 18 carries, but I'm not really worried about it, but something to kind of keep an eye on. Really good. That was game plan, right? I mean, the Texans threw everything to stop the run. And Jacoby Brissett lit him up. They weren't they weren't expecting no, that. Good to see twelve targets for New Hopkins. Nine yeah. for one hundred six and touchdown. Twelve targets. Uh, Will Fuller leaves this game early. Looks like he's going to miss some time. So combination of Kenny Still, we'll see. Because again, Will Fuller's playing on the outside. Stills and QT are both inside guys. Still can play. Stills can play on the outside and has kind of gone both for both. But 
Uh, I know he's going to be a really popular pickup this week. I'm okay. Like I wouldn't spend a ton of fab budget on Kenny Stills, but he had a good game here for four for 105. I definitely want to tease the fact or, or give a, a cheap plug to our guy, Kyle Krabs, because if you go on the draftnetwork.com right now, you can read an article about the Houston Texans and how they've, although they are in this nice little area in this division, they've really poorly managed what's happened over the last year. And they have missed on very high picks. And then they've used future draft capital to go out and acquire other players to fill those needs right now. And that's a lot of that is happening because there's no GM, there's no acting. This is, this is, this is in a tough place. And he wrote about, the next GM that comes in is going to be in a really tough position because of decisions that he didn't make. And it's going to be really hard to maybe convince somebody to come in and want to do that job when you're floating draft capital out uh, right and left. Right? And we get it. Kind of the opposite of Indianapolis, yes. right? I mean, Indy, we're talking about how good they are, how well they've been set up. They're also like top three in, in cap space, available cap space going into this offseason. Yeah, it's uh, – it, go look at how how – They've missed on draft picks, and so to fill those needs, they've then had to give away future draft capital to go fill those needs, and that's a recipe for disaster moving forward. Uh, will be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. All right, this game I was at. Uh, this was an interesting game. Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals go into New York and get a victory 27-21. to The Cardinals early just dominated this team. I mean, Chase Edmonds walked into the end zone twice in a row completely untouched I mean he did not get touched it was on it was ridiculous to watch I watched Daniel Jones uh come back to reality from where he was a few weeks ago when he beat the Bucks right um this this Cardinals defense was in his face he made a couple of poor decisions and started getting booed he was cheered for so loud when the game started and about seven minutes into the game he was getting booed that tells you everything it's, it's you need New to, York. It's, it tells you everything you need to know about New York. Uh, but Jake, listen, the Cardinals three games in a row now. They're not beating big great teams, but they are finding ways to win. What did you see from from Arizona here? You know, my the biggest thing I saw from Arizona was they ran the hell out of the football in the first half. James Betcher played cover two, wanted to stop the pass, thinking they're going to come in high flying, and they ran it down their throats. All that being said, the Giants had this game. They miss a 37-yard field goal to tie the game and then score a touchdown later that would have tied the game at 24. Couldn't do anything later. I mean, that Giants offensive line is still not very good. Saquon didn't really get a whole lot going. Um, Evan Ingram did nothing. And they, they were still all right there. Uh, but, look, I don't care who you play in the NFL. Anytime you win, it's a solid freaking win. The Cardinals won three in a row. And, yes, it was the Bengals, the Giants, and the Falcons, but they've won three in a row. I mean, they're getting better. And I like the game plan. With Chase Edmonds running the ball, Chase Edmonds is a better running back right now than David Johnson as far as a runner, and he was really good. I, mean, I, I like the game plan. They got another win. So on a side note, uh, Matthew Barry went on an absolute tangent. I mean, six minutes long yes. about the Arizona Cardinals, cherry-picking statistics because, of course, if he added in the Bruce Arians era, it wouldn't fit his narrative of nobody cares about the Arizona Cardinals and never has, right? Uh, and – it was very – as people who host, we host a fantasy podcast, right? It was very strange how personal he got about the Arizona Cardinals and David Johnson. And also, Matthew, I'd love to have a conversation with you about the fact that 
We told you about David Johnson. We told you in the offseason. We told you he hasn't been finishing runs. We told you he hasn't looked good. And maybe, just maybe, if you had a source on that staff, maybe you would have known a little bit more about how David Johnson wasn't going to be great this year. Because he lost his mind. Yes. And it was strange. I mean, I was bordering, like, going crazy yeah. for six minutes. I have a litany of thoughts about that because on on some level I get it and some level I think it got taken too far. I'll just kind of put it this way. Um, I thought his tweet was fine. Yeah. I thought the tweet part was fine because, again, you have to understand that his audience is a fantasy audience. 100%. And, it's, and to me, and, and he's making his money and he's paid very handsomely. Yes. He's got two commas in that in that yearly paycheck. Yep. So he's making plenty of money because of fantasy, it's fantasy sports. So he, him and his audience are looking at that. To me, I, I put that the akin to let's say you were a Packers over better and you watched Jamal Williams slide inside the two in that on that Monday Night Football game, where you go absolutely nuts because in your mind you're not you're not you're intentionally taking the football aspect out of it. You're only concerned about Correct. the spread. So I get that, but probably went a little bit too far on the six minute rant the following day. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. From a football perspective, on back on this game, there's a, th- my concern with the Arizona Cardinals, and this might be something as this team matures a little bit, gets better. They gotta finish football games. They yeah. absolutely have to start finishing football games. I, I, th- this team cannot play a fourth quarter. Outside of that week one where they made that big comeback in Detroit, this team has not been able to finish teams off. They hang on, but they don't finish teams off late. We saw it even in that Cincinnati game. And they should. Atlanta they, doesn't they, miss that kick, and they go to overtime. Yeah, right? the I Bengals mean, came all the way back. Right. Now they they come back on the drive to win the game, but they let the Bengals come all the way back. You almost let the Giants come all the way back in the second half. Uh, so it just this team needs to continue finishing games. I agree with Jake 100%. The better running back right now is Chase Edmonds. David Johnson's going to be a massive asset for them as a wide receiver and, and using him split out and using him in the passing game. I think both have a role in this offense. And by the way, when you're running as many plays as they are, you need both to have roles yes. in this offense. David Johnson. And we told you in preseason how much they love Chase Edmonds. As the season goes on, he's going to be in there and he's going to be effective. Yes, he is. And he's he's somebody that even when David Johnson is active and healthy, again, not like active and gets the first carry and then plays and play again, but active and healthy, I still think Chase Edmonds is a flex play. They're going to use him. Yeah, and they've used him more and more as you look on week-by-week basis. And going into this, if you listen to Cliff talk on Friday, he talked about how David was going to be – he had an injury. They were a little concerned about him. So we'll see moving forward. Just – I think it was it was very interesting. I have – obviously I have tons of friends who work for the Cardinals and I know them well. It was just a little over the top for me as, uh, as personal as it got on certain things where it delved into no longer about fantasy and how nobody cares about the team and the organization and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, okay, we're, we're going to go there. Got it. Understood. Uh, San Francisco 49ers – Get a victory nine yeah. to nothing. Throw this game out. Yeah, this was what? a monsoon. The field was. A, there are slip and slides with more traction than that field. <laughs> like if you watch the highlights of guys like sliding and they're going like ten yards glad, as they're sliding. I'm glad nobody. See, I mean, it could have had some serious injuries with how Just, how much rain and craziness. I have it was. no fantasy analysis for this game. Completely throw this out. Like, San Francisco, you're undefeated. Cool. Walk away with the victory. The Redskins are closer to getting a higher pick. Uh, nothing in this game matters. Like for fantasy going forward, they, they, this wasn't a football game. This was a just we need to survive and get the hell out of here game. Jake, yeah, I mean it was the better team did enough to win, and the ultimate equalizer is a horrible field and bad weather, and that was the case. Uh, Adrian Peterson ran it pretty solid. They hung in there. They just couldn't do anything. Robbie Gold three or four in awful conditions. They win nine nothing. San Francisco is solid. I, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that great. He's definitely not a hundred twenty million dollar guy. 
they need some help on that offense moving forward, but they're still undefeated and they got it done. It doesn't have to be great because Kyle Shanahan is elite at coaching and that defense is top tier. That's that's the message. That's all I got from this game. Like Jimmy doesn't have to do that much to win. For now, you can run it on them. They're going to run into some teams in the NFC that they don't match up both very well, and Garoppolo is going to have to play a lot better than he has so far. One postseason, they're going to need Jimmy Garoppolo to be better than he has again, and he's been fine. But again, you, I think you're going to need more than fine if you want to win a Super Bowl. I'd love to see him with some weapons, though. I would love to see him with. I would love to see him with an actual wide receiver. All due respect to Kendrick Bourne Come and on. Dante Pettis. Yeah, I mean, I would. By love- the way, the Dante Pettis is never going to be a thing. Let's can we stop with this in the <laughs> fantasy community? I don't know how I, there was this weird narrative going around Twitter that before people knew about the weather that this was going to be like a Dante Pettis breakout game. Based on what? No, he's not on the field. No, he didn't earn a spot on the field. Kyle Shanahan basically benched his ass for the preseason and early in the season because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, stop it. It's Dante Pettis is never going to be a thing. No, what you want to happen and what are actually happening? Two different things. A theme of this entire year of fantasy football. Uh, all right, the end of this game was uh, this was an interesting one. The LA Chargers twenty. <laughs> Uh, Tennessee Titans 23, uh, right? The Chargers did away at the end. Yeah, the, just the Chargers, man. And they got more injuries. Uh-huh. This team is just, it, it's bad, right? Uh, but Tennessee Titans get it done. Uh, try and keep pace. They're three and four now in this division, obviously, fourth in the AFC South. Jake, what did you see in, in this one? I picked the Titans 27 24. They win 23 20, but they didn't really win. I mean, the, 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 the Chargers had two touchdowns taken off by review. Melvin Gordon fumbles late, and they end up sneaking out. What I really saw was exactly what I thought I'd see when you bring in a quarterback that's just as good as your other guy and plays a little bit different. You had a boost from that team with Tannehill, who played really well. At one point, he was like 23 or 29, two touchdowns, over 300 yards, had a pick. Uh, They didn't run it very well. And the Chargers offensively were pretty good. Eckler had a monster game. And I think that's probably the weakened, weakness of the, this Titans team. Uh, they're solid, but they're regressing. They're, they're not going to be that good. But it was a big win at home. Like you take any, any, any way you can get it in the NFL, and when a guy fumbles on the one going into win, like you think there's no way this doesn't go at least go to overtime. And he fumbles on a poorly managed clock situation. The whole thing was just weird. And, but they got, it, they got it done. They win. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say from a Chargers standpoint anymore. Uh, from a football's perspective, obviously, it's not a team we're going to have to be worrying about for, you know, beyond December. Uh, disappointing to see overall. But, I mean, Eckler, again, he's still always going to have a role in the passing game. Hunter Henry, you got to give him a lot of credit. I mean, coming back off major injury, he's been a major impact player in those couple games back. He's truly a difference maker. Something I'm very interested to see because I think he has an argument to be the number two tight end off the board next year in fantasy drafts. Uh, you would like to, I mean, 11 targets for Keenan Allen, like just four of them. I mean, that's not what you're looking for. Uh, you know, Mike Williams just isn't going to be a thing this year. Melvin Gordon didn't run the ball well, even independent of that that second fumble where he ends up losing it. Did not run the ball well at all. From a fantasy perspective, what I did like to see from Tannehill is not so much him, but it brings Corey Davis and A.J. Brown at least that's to fantasy relevance. Yeah. And I think that that's important. You know, Corey Davis had the bigger game, 6 for 80 and touchdown. Uh, A.J. Brown, 6 for 64. I think it brings them back into flex bench kind of consideration for those guys. Like I might actually start AJ Brown this week uh, because uh, I'm sorry, Jake. The Tampa struggled uh, against receivers. Yeah, uh, their defense has been uh, their defense. Their secondary has been terrible. Yeah, I, I, I don't sorry. To yeah. me. <laughs> so they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, 
I wouldn't start Derrick Henry, but I would, yeah, any of the receivers look like it. So, I mean, that those guys are now fantasy relevant again, where a lot of those Titans guys, I mean, a lot of people held on to Corey Davis on their bench, but I was, I did see him drop. Uh, I was, I picked up AJ, uh, AJ Brown. I was hesitant before because it was with Mariota. They've, they're at least going to get what they need to from Tannehill. I don't, th- I still don't think this is a playoff team. I still don't think they're going to get to that point, but I've been saying that all year, but it's good to see from a fantasy perspective that there is some fantasy relevancy in the Titans offense. That's not just Derrick Henry. All right. Uh, next game. Listen, uh, you want to skip this one or no Lamar Jackson. I'm going to that one first. <laughs> Lamar, Lamar Jackson goes on the road into Seattle, gets a victory 30 to 16. If you haven't watched the moments of him being mic'd up and going to his coach and saying, coach, I want to go like just going crazy on the, Man, I as a as somebody who played sport, like he's so passionate and worked up, and I'm watching that. And I'm going, man, I love the I love the aggressiveness, I love the attitude, and then I love you finishing it, right? I love you wanting to go for it. I love you saying it, verbalizing it to your coach, your coach believing you, and then you go and get it done, right? And they get a big victory here against the Seahawks team that's looked really good. Uh, Jake, what was your takeaway from this one? Uh, the twelves aren't a thing anymore. I think the Seahawks are eight. They're they're five hundred. They're like nine and nine or ten and nine since for the last two years. So like they're the home field advantage thing is not the same as it was with Legion to Boom. Teams can go in there and win, but teams don't go in there and kick their ass. And the Ravens went in there and kicked their ass. They ran it down their throat. Lamar Jackson was great. Their defense was solid. Their trade for Marcus Peters, they had to have somebody on the other side of Marlon Humphreys. Their secondary has been banged up and it's really killed them uh, at times this year. Their defense was good. Russell Wilson couldn't do anything. Carson, nothing. And they kept trying to pound it. They just couldn't get anything done. The game was short. They both wanted to run it. And the Ravens really did. They went in there and kicked their ass. And you do not see Seattle. That that happened in Seattle. Like I said, teams have gone in there and beat them. But not like that. They, they rushed the passer. They played man. And Seattle didn't have any answers for no, them. I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the post-game press conference from Pete Carroll and him just talking about what it's like to watch Lamar Jackson on film and then what it's like to watch him in real life, right? He's describing just very eloquently how, how fast Lamar Jackson actually is and how you you think he's fast, right? And then you watch him from the sidelines and you're just blown away. Uh, It's a very interesting clip. Jamie, your fantasy takeaways here. Remember when everybody wanted John Harbaugh fired? Ha, ha, ha. Um, So (laughs) there, there are a few things here. One, this is not so much from a fantasy perspective because you don't care, uh, but Lamar Jackson's passing is still going to be a problem for them at some point. Uh, I know he had a couple of good weeks against defenses that sucked, and we told you about this months in advance that was going to happen. Uh, but obviously he's running around. Basically for fantasy purposes, you have an RB1 in your quarterback slot that yeah. might throw for 200 yards and might connect with, with a deep ball at some point. So oh, you got you got to love that. He's clearly the number two quarterback in fantasy. Maybe, well, probably number one now with Mahomes missing weeks for the yeah. rest of the season. Um but at some point, he they're going to need to rely on his arm in the postseason to win them a game here or there, and he's got to show me that he can do that against a, a competent uh, other defense. Um, again, continue to warn you, get off this Mark Ingram train in fantasy as quickly as you can. Again, they they ran even taking out Lamar Jackson's carries, they ran the ball twelve times with Mark Ingram and nine times with other backs, including eight with Gus Edwards. So yeah, not great. He is barely getting fifty percent of the carries for this team right now. Like you really need to get off this train while people still think he might be an R, a low end RB one or high end RB two. Seattle, look, it was it was a bad game. Like I still love Russell Wilson going forward. I still love Chris Carson going forward. Lockett got his. Uh, I, someone's going to have to explain to me what the heck that DK Metcalf fumble was about because yeah. I don't understand what happened there at all. 
Um, but you don't, you're not really – nothing really I didn't majorly change. Um, obviously, anybody that was on the Luke Wilson train with a big zero. Uh, so I think you can we can safely say that you just can't plug and replace these, these random dudes. Uh, and Will Disley is a better player than I think people gave him credit for. He wasn't just some guy that was in a role. He was a guy that was excelling, excelling in the role he was given. No, Seattle needs a tight end. They need they need one, right? And it'll be, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens because they, they, tra- they already traded one away. Yeah, they. I mean, they, they brought need that one. up on the show last they need, week. They need to be on the phone trying to make something happen here because this team I mean, it looked very different. I know Baltimore's defense bolstered with Marcus Peters, but at home. They couldn't get anything going, uh, and it was a, a, a bit of a concern if you're obviously still understanding that they have two teams in the division that they're not looking up at the Rams, but the Rams are going to start Well, the Rams are causing trouble, and you're now, again, you're behind the Niners. Undefeated. The Rams are going to push for it. Yep. I don't think they're going to make a push, but you're, you're only a game and a half clear of the Cardinals. I know. It's, so all it's, of a sudden, this division, like uh, everybody looks good, right? Uh, or at least they're close, very close here. All right, the Chicago Bears lose at home. 36 to 25. Uh, Jake mentioned quite a few things of the reasoning behind what this happened, but Kyle Long on IR again, uh, on a personal note, I know Kyle really well, and it's just, he hasn't ever been able to stay healthy. Uh, and he's such a good dude and it sucks. Cause he's damn a good football player. Too. Damn good football player. He's such an, an important part of this team. And he just, I, I feel for him because I know how badly he wants to be out there, and he just year after year has has suffered major major injuries and can't be out there. Uh, couldn't run the football, like Jake said. Um, any other takeaways, Jake, from this one other than Teddy touchdown now five and zero and has beat all tons of Dallas Cal. I mean, he's he's beaten everybody, right? And and this this we looked at this stretch for the New Orleans Saints and we went, man, five hundred would be good. Uh, they might go undefeated without Drew Brees, and that's insane to think about. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Bears have serious problems. Uh, you know, Kyle Long, we all love, but he's a baseball player that's a big dude, and he's not quite big enough to be an offensive lineman, but he made himself big enough to be an offensive lineman, and he plays so damn hard and he's so tough. I think that's what's biting him in the ass with these injuries is he's just not supposed to be a big guard, and he kind of turned himself into, you know what I mean? You hate it for him because he does, but they lose. Not only do you lose a solid player, you lose a guy that's out there that's a dog. He's that road grader that you want to run behind, and this team cannot run the football. When I saw the stat watching this game that they are 30th in the NFL in offense, I couldn't believe it because they got way too many weapons. That means they're getting horrendous quarterback play, and their offensive line is terrible. doesn't matter how good your defense is when you're getting this bad a play at the quarterback position. The play calling is beyond interesting, and they cannot run it. And maybe that's why the play calling is interesting because they know they can't run it. They got real problems. This team is not making the playoffs. They're not making a run. They have too many weapons for that to be the case. But, I mean, I'm glad they at least made it interesting at the end. Allen Robinson had a solid fantasy day. I did not expect him to do that. That was a nice surprise for those of us that own him. Um, but they got real problems. In I, know, I know that everybody thought I was like being over like had too much of an overreaction to this because I'm friends with Jordan Howard, but I was not happy when they traded Jordan Howard and they have not been able to run the football. I know that everybody thinks that Jordan Howard hasn't lived up to the expectation, but go look at his numbers that he put up in Chicago every single year. They, they miss having a running back that they can count on and neither Tariq Cohen hasn't looked good. David Montgomery hasn't stepped up to the plate. This team hasn't they, – they can't run the football, and that was not a problem last year. Yeah. Well, they can't throw it either. So you, you're, you're loading the box and putting it on Trubisky, who you know is not accurate. He's not healthy. 
and the offensive line is not playing as well. So I, David Montgomery hasn't really gotten the, the the game plan or the touches to get in the flow, and we'll really see what he does to compare him to Jordan Howard. But you're right. They, they, they don't run it like they did in November last year when they finally decided to do it when that offensive line was healthy and Trubisky was playing there, a lot there, There's a lot to pick apart in Chicago. So let, let, let's do it a little bit because I think that this is productive from both the fantasy and, and a real-life standpoint. Uh, look, the, the, the Trubisky regression is undeniable. Yes. And by the way, this started – in the preseason. If you remember, we talked about way back when that there were a lot of reports out of Bears camp that Trubisky doesn't look, eh, he looks awful yes. in camp. 100%. And that continued throughout the entire camp and continued through the preseason and lingered into the regular season. Um, I don't know. I am not smart enough to tell you what the specific issues are from a mechanical standpoint of what's wrong, but I know there's something wrong there that has to be fixed very, very quickly, at least by next season, because this is he is not playing like a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL right now. From a run game perspective, Tariq Cohen was never going to be the back to run. Tariq Cohen is a gadget player that's very effective when you're able to use him in two running back backfields and split him out wide, put him in the slot, and kind of play him on wheel routes, quick slants, and all the things that they used him for last year. That is his role. That is where he excels. He is not a between-the-tackles runner. He is never going to be a between-the-tackles runner and never should be a between-the-tackles runner. David Montgomery has a ton of talent, and I think once this team becomes more balanced, then there's any reason they should be worried about the passing game at all, and the offensive line is playing even a little bit okay, that he will be an effective player. He has shown flashes this year. They do miss Jordan Howard. I bet you wish they had him rather than that six-round pick they got from Philadelphia for him right now. But that's still – they have bigger issues than just that. Allen Robinson's probably one of the 12 most talented wide receivers in football. He's unbelievable. Uh, and if he was on a team that had was more effective passing game, people would understand that as a young player coming back off major injury that he had at, this, at the end of his Jacksonville run, that he is a hell of a football player that needs to get more credit than he gets. I feel for him because he went from Blake Bortles to Mitchell Trubisky. To Blake Bortles 2.0. To literally 2.0. Like I, I, I feel for him because he, he goes up and makes catches and has opportunities. And I mean, Trubisky skied. I don't know, six to eight passes over over multiple wide receivers in this game. I mean, just wide open, headed for the end zone, eight, eight yards over their head. I mean, he just – A little, little bit of a glimmer of hope here. I mean, they have played the Saints, who were number one against the run last year. They're in the top five this year. They played the Vikings a few weeks ago, couldn't run it there. They're, they're top five against the run. You know, So they've played some teams moving forward if they – really commit to it and then they can because the one thing Trubisky does well is the nakeds the boots he throws great on the run I think they need to put two tight ends in try to pound it and then play action off of that instead of being the shotgun all the freaking time where you know you know what's coming it's just it's getting too predictable for this super high flying offense with all this creativity it's really not I think they need to go back to what they did in November last year and try to pound the rock with two tight ends and let Trubisky move around where he's a lot better than he yeah, is in they, the pocket. I mean, listen, they they play the Chargers at home this week, right? They're, it, we'll see what happens, right? I'm not. I, I think the Bears fans, it's like Chicago's like New York, right? They, they ride the roller coaster up and down, and they're all the way off the train and want to tank for a quarterback now, right? I mean, that's that's what happens. It's not happening, people. I'm telling you're you that right now. You're three and three. You're not taking. You're three and three, and you beat and you have the tiebreaker against Minnesota right now. Like, I'm sorry, but like they play the, the teams in the division still. They play Detroit twice. They still have another game against Minnesota and Green Bay. They got to figure stuff out, and it's not all on Trubisky. Matt Nagy has to be better. The play calling's been horrendous. It, it's been bad. And I wonder, like, there's there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg effect there, where I'm not sure how much is it is it poor play calling, or does he just have no trust that his quarterback can make could a play? Could be. It could be. 
That's a great point, Jim. Because we've seen that happen before when you don't have trust in that quarterback to make the play, that the play calling is vanilla and boring, and you're like, why is he calling that? Because he has no confidence that it can be executed properly. I don't know. I or he has no confidence in the offensive line to be able to do what they want to do and do what I'm saying and try to pound the rock plants and off, off of that. I mean, they, they know their personnel better than any of us. So it's a, it's a very good point, whether it's the play calling or the fact that he knows we're not very good. This is what I think we have the best yeah, opportunity to do. I mean, Trubisky's regressed. Like, that's, yes, that's undeniable. No this, but the, the totality of the team uh, in, in general, especially on the offensive side, has not been as good. But let's talk about New Orleans. How and, and if you want to pump the brakes a little bit again on that page, I mean, he's the first game back off of injury against a, a defense that's been playing lights Listen, out. Listen, they beat everybody they played. They beat everybody they played with, and they're the number one team. That statistic against the rush that, that I saw that dates back for like two seasons is ridiculous, right? Like, they're, this is who the – the Saints team is really, really good. And, oh, by the way, Sean Payton is a hell of a coach. Like, that's – I get it. I understand. I understand Bears fans being upset, but – the Saints are a really, really good. They're arguably the best football team in the NFC because they're going to get a, a Hall of Fame quarterback coming back in a couple of weeks, and they look like they don't even need him. I mean, that's where this team is playing, and I think there's something to be said. We talked about this earlier where when Drew Brees went down, all of the sudden, all of the pieces elevated, right? And it was like there must have been a conversation in this locker room where it was like, Listen, this team did not look like this the first two, three weeks with Drew Brees. They, the defense didn't look like that. They weren't playing. But then all of a sudden, when you know your leader and your guy is out, everybody else has to pick up the slack. And that's what we've seen these last five weeks from New Orleans. Look, this game was without Alvin exactly. Kamara, too. I mean, Latavius Murray steps up, has a solid day. Michael Thomas is going to get his yep. every week. Teddy Bridgewater's been great. Not a lot of turnovers, playing really solid, but – they're playing very complimentary football, to your point. When Drew Brees went out, everybody stepped up, and they're and just special winning teams games. makes a play every yes. week. Literally every week. The first play of the game, they block Pat O'Donnell's punt. I mean, they make a play every week that, that helps them either score a touchdown or gives them great field position. By the way, I'm glad you said that. That was a hell of a job by Pat O'Donnell slapping that ball out of the back of the end zone. Everybody's like, that's a penalty. It's a yeah. safety, not a touchdown. And it was a phenomenal play when the, when New Orleans didn't recover that. And that was a great point talking about their special teams. But that was a hell of yeah. a play by Pat O'Donnell. Super heads-up football by Pat O'Donnell. He's a, he's a hell of a punter. He does a great job at each and every week for the Chicago Bears. Jamie? Uh, look, I mean, Murray was great filling in. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a necessary handcuff right now with Camaro going forward, dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, we'll see if he's back this week. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to finish the year as the number one wide receiver in fantasy football, uh, and deservedly so. Uh, he is – again, this was not – not an easy matchup for him. I, I, I think the one thing we need we do need to discuss for fantasy purposes are I, I don't think the Bears' defense is the automatic bench your players against them anymore. Uh, I think you still play your no. – you always played your studs, but I still think you play your you know your wide receiver two, RB2 type guys against the Bears now. Where, uh, before, where last year, if they those guys were like your 20th running back and they played the Bears, you probably had somebody else on your bench you'd rather play. I don't think you have to worry about that as much this year. No, the offense puts them in a tough position. They're out there all the whole time. game. Yes. I mean, it's until the offense looks a little bit better, you can't – they're, they're going to have to be out there all the time and they're not put in a good position. I mean, that's just what's happening uh, in Chicago right now. All right, Sunday Night Football. Uh, listen, we talked about how big of a game this was, right? The implications. Doug Peterson coming out and saying – it's a must. We're going to win this game and walking it back. Right. Then you hear the Dallas Cowboys players after the game going, going after Doug Peterson about how you, this, this motivated them, right. They came into this game very motivated 
And oh my God, the Dallas Cowboys whooped their ass. It was a, it was never close. It was not a good football game. I was very excited to see a very close game and we did not get any of that. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts? Cause this division, all of a sudden we're looking at it and we were like, okay, which one of these teams is good? Cause both of these teams played poorly the last few weeks. And now the Cowboys just absolutely destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, look, there was one run that basically made it 14, nothing, but they called him down and Zeke had to run it. And again, from the one where he just trucked Malcolm Jenkins, that play described this entire game. The Cowboys got a little healthier than they've been the last couple of weeks. The Eagles are still banged up. The Cowboys are more physical and tougher, period. Zeke trucked Malcolm Jenkins, got in the end zone. They caught him down by his shin, and he just walked in on the next play from the one-yard line. It was 14 nothing before you could blink. The Eagles could do nothing. they got to get healthy to have a chance. If Dallas gets healthy, they are by far the class of this division. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC by far, but healthy, they are really solid. And they look like that was a huge win. I mean, to, to be able to lose four straight for the Cowboys at home to blow out your division rival – on national TV, it was a big bounce back for them. Told me a lot about them and their yeah, locker. And from the Eagles side of things, you know, as you start to look at teams that are can win the division, can make the playoffs and do all of that, sometimes it's not about what you have. It's sometimes about what you don't have. And in this case, they don't have a secondary. And when you have a not just a weakness, but an overwhelming weakness in one key area of your team, that can be enough to prevent you from making the postseason. And I start to look at this Philadelphia team and their complete inability to stop anybody's passing game and say, I, they have absolutely no margin for error in any of these games because they can't stop a soul. And I think that's going to be the thing that ultimately keeps them home. Where Dallas has some issues here and there, but they don't have a glaring weakness at any part of their game. They have sometimes their defense doesn't play great. There are times where I think they still that defense needs to be more opportunistic and create more turnovers, but they don't have a glaring weakness like the Eagles do on their defense. Uh, big game for Amari Cooper here, five for one hundred six, playing hurt. Uh, Zeke Elliott had a big game on the ground and through the air. Uh, you know, not the from a fantasy perspective, you're hoping probably for a bigger game from Dak Prescott against the secondary, but they didn't really have to. I mean, they just they just punched them in the mouth, and they pretty much had success no matter what they did in this game. From a Philly standpoint, block game from Alshon Jeffrey, which I know concerns people. Zach Ertz had another nothing game. Dallas Goddard was the best player from a pass-catching standpoint. But you have to have a lot of concerns if you own any Eagles in fantasy or if you're just an Eagles fan right now because I think this is a team that's probably going to be sitting home late in the year and – Look, they can beat up on bad teams, and they probably will. There's going to be more wins on their schedule. They're not going to bottom out. They're not a five-win team or anything like that. But I don't see them being anything more than an eight-win team as they presently stand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, still got the Giants and the Redskins. Look, they were number two behind the Bucks and stopping the run, and they got it ran down their throat. They couldn't stop the run at all, and they were really good against the run so far this year. Their secondary has been terrible, but they were bad against both. Their offensive line's banged up. Their receivers are banged up. If they get healthy, they could still be eight or nine wins, and maybe nine gets in. But they got to get healthy, and they got to get healthy in a hurry. And this was this was a bad, bad performance in Dallas uh, on national. Okay, TV. last game which I would like to skip because it was not even a real football game. Thirty-three, nothing. Final score: New England Patriots against the New York Jets. Uh, that defense we talked about played excellent. They've been excellent. Uh, they add Mohamed Sanu now to that team. They didn't have to do all that much offensively because this game was just taken very early. Uh, and Belichick at one point is caught on camera smirking in a way that was like so devilish. I thought to myself, we are all screwed because this team is definitely winning the Super Bowl. He it- and he was smiling for the dumbest thing ever, trying to take penalties on a freaking punt. 
where he had Brandon Bolden take a false start on purpose. And then you see Adam Gase like, oh, hell no, I'm not giving you an inch. And Ben Belichick's just over there with this shit-eating grin, for lack of a better way to put it. Man, just devilish grin. And from a fantasy perspective, I mean, it's hard to take away much from from this football game. But, Jake, what, what are your takeaways, if any? I start, I had Rex grow, or Rex Burkett hoping he was going to play in our 14-man two-flex TDN league. They dropped him, picked up Brandon Bolden. It was nice. It was a solid night. You never know what's going to happen with these New England players. Uh, Philip Dorsett has been really sneakily under the radar good for the last three or four weeks. I, I think he's going to still be a solid play. Edelman's still not healthy. This team has deficiencies, though. They have injuries at left tackle. Their left tackle that's playing now is not very good. Thank God Tom Brady has eyes in the back of his head and can slide around the pocket as good as anybody that's ever done it. They have deficiencies at tight end. Ben Watson's back, but he looks old. Uh, they don't run it great, but this defense is beyond elite. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to go back to like Tom Brady's first two years where he didn't do much and their defense was elite and they just ran it pretty good. And, and, uh, and Kevin Falk was phenomenal out of the backfield. James White, a solid night, but should have been better. Um, it was weird to, to be a 34 nothing game or whatever it was. Like, it didn't feel that way because it was over so fast. Yeah, look, Sonny Michelle falls in the end zone three times but has not looked good. Didn't look good in this game. Didn't look good for the season. I mean, again, you want you take the fantasy points over, they come for you. But we start talking about long term. Uh, they're going to have to work on that running game. But at this point, they don't have anybody that's going to really challenge them, at least until the AFC Championship game. Uh, look, it's – it's a weird game. Like yeah. I, I still think you still want to have and Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder and those guys on your bench. You're still starting Le'Veon Bell every week, but this is the this is bad because this is like a Sam Darnold road game. I was I was shocked yeah. that this was this That's bad how- at home uh, for him. But I think he's on the road in Jacksonville next week, if I'm not mistaken. So that could be interesting. Uh, right now, the fantasy MVP versus for based on ADP is the Patriots defense. Yeah, I mean by far. Yeah, by far. They're putting up 20-plus a week. You know, Don't be surprised if Cleveland beats them this week. I'll, I'll go out with a hot take now. There's not a good matchup for I don't, have, I don't have any faith in, in Freddie going in to, to beat up on Bill. I, I, I don't either. I'm just saying, like, from the players on paper, matchup-wise, it's not really a good matchup for New England. Cleveland should stop the run well. They can get after you with, with the front four, which – is not that's been the recipe to be able to beat them play man which Cleveland does pretty well and if Cleveland sticks to the run you can run it on them you can't throw it on them Baker might throw four picks and they might blow them out too but it's not a great matchup on paper and they, the next five games they actually play teams that are capable of beating them so I'm saying like they haven't played anybody that's Listen, capable if of beating I could them change yet. out a few things about that team mostly most importantly to me change out the head coach or somebody else that's going to game plan differently and actually commit to the run most of the time where everybody's literally screaming at Freddie Kitchens from their, from their couch. Uh, I would do it. I would, that, that team, that roster's talented, but we, we got to But this is the first game they've played anybody that has yeah, the horses to we'll beat them. see. It'll be interesting to see if what the game plan is. Do they completely kill Chubb, which is what I'm guessing. They will stop the run. They'll play man. They have a bunch of cover zero blitzes and Baker yep. will throw some picks. I don't know that Tom Brady's going to have a great week or anybody on that offense. Somebody will. There's always going to be one guy that plays well enough for them on offense. But it's a good matchup for Cleveland's defense if they can play. From a personal standpoint, how do you feel about ESPN's decision to air the Sam Darnold seeing ghosts comment on TV? Because Le'Veon Bell just came out with a tweet trashing them about it. And I do think he has a point where if that comment was made on the other – he didn't say this, but I'm saying this. If that comment was made on the other sideline, 
Oh, would they ESPN didn't... execs have signed off on that? No. No, not at all. It's the Jets. They took advantage of it. I didn't like the fact that they – I felt like they completely threw Sam Darnold under the bus because they had nothing else to talk about. Look, he had a bad game against one of the best defenses we've seen in a long, long time. He had a bad night on national TV. Uh, he didn't have a lot of weapons. He's on his second game back. He played phenomenal last week. To talk about him the way that they did after he kicked the Cowboys' ass last week and lit it up against another solid playoff team, right? I thought it was awful, but it's typical. They are East Coast biased as they can be, and the one people, person you're going to beat up on the East Coast is the Giants, not the Jets, or the Jets, not the Giants, excuse me, and you're damn sure ain't talking bad about New England. They're the biggest New England homers of all because they're right in their backyard. So it didn't surprise me at all, but yeah, no, I thought I, it was awful. I, um, on a personal, like from a journalistic standpoint, I just like I thought it was bullshit. Yeah. Like, I, 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 yeah, it didn't feel like journalism. Yeah. It felt like an attack, and I thought it was awful and unprofessional, and you're supposed to be the leader in sports, and it's terrible. And I mean, I have full confidence in saying this. There is a 0% chance that they would have aired that if it was the Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. No. For sure. Zero. And look, the difference here is, for those who don't know, this is not like an interview. You know, if you were talking no. to Sam Darnold after the game and he says that, then you absolutely you splash it everywhere because you have he understands he's got a recorder in his face, you're asking a question, and you're doing that. When you have these guys mic'd up, they don't have a choice. They have no privacy. But there's supposed to be some level of – there is a level of understanding that not just because I'm mic'd up for the full game doesn't mean everything I say is supposed to be broadcasted. And I think this is going to – there are going to be other quarterbacks in the future that are going to say – I think, no, I'm not going to do this for you now. Because it's going to hurt happened. them. This is going to hurt them uh, because people are – you. there has to be a certain level of trust um, in the media and in situations like this where they are uh, vulnerable and the responsibility of ESPN is to entertain us but also not to cross the line with athletes. And this crossed the line. And, and I think – Well, let's be honest. Let's be honest why they did, Paige. ESPN's hurting. They're broke. We all know it. They fired 90% of their staff. They have a bunch of people that are – like their shows are all terrible. And they had a game that was awful that everybody was turning off. So they were trying to keep people interested, whether you were pissing them off or not, by saying stuff like this. They needed the ratings because the ratings were going to be terrible. And they were all East Coast people watching. You know, a lot of Jets fans watching. Yeah, I it's sad. It was, it, but it, I agree with you. It was unprofessional, and they, they would not have done 100%. it with those other players. Uh, okay. Any parting thoughts here, guys, on the pod, on, on this pod? Other than that, I think that was a good point to bring up. Uh, yeah, just because I mean, and Livian Bell literally just tweeted about yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was a good point to bring up. Any any parting thoughts here, uh, Jake? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I freaking finally had a ten win week on the Pickums. I mean, this has been tough sledding. Go to go ten and four, nine and one at one point, and then the afternoon games kind of bit us all in the ass a little bit. Uh, they felt pretty solid though. You finally picking the games last week felt like as you wrote them down, you felt like you finally know about some of these teams. Now there, there's, there's still some shockers. There was still some stuff going on. This is about really, really fun year, but it was nice to at least write down a 10 and have a, a double digits, uh, on our picks this Amy, week. Any parting thoughts? Uh, that I'm mad that the Falcons Rams game finished one point short of us hitting that, that lock of the week. Teaser. I know. Niners cut Niners did their job. Uh, the Cardinals did their job, and we just came one point short of that. But uh, we'll be back at it next week. No, that was a hell of a pick, though, Jamie. I like that. It was another one I heard yesterday that you guys will love. This guy uh, apparently had a $150 10-game uh, parlay teaser or whatever you call it, and he lost the whole thing on Melvin oh. Gordon's fumble. Oh. $58,000. Yeah, that's uh, that's breaking things, yeah. through. Won the other nine and lost it on that fumble for fifty-eight grand off a hundred fifty-dollar bet on a ten-team, whatever. Like that's that's sad, yes, but that's gambling. Yes. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? 
Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jake Arians on Instagram. At Jamie Eisner on Twitter. No, and you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter and at TDN Fantasy on Instagram. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.